Welcome to Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie, Fright Night, one minute at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Leonard. And this is Minute 13 of Fright Night. It begins with a not-so-veiled threat and ends with a sleeping Charlie. So we're still at this confrontation with Billy and his response to Charlie's nothing is just make sure it stays that way, kid. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, I definitely want to just reiterate, like Billy to me is is like he's he's probably not scary himself, but I don't know. He's just got that angry smile and he's got like a wild look in his eye. Like he looks a bit crazy. (laughs) It's another kooky character in this movie. And I love how Charlie just kind of he's frozen in place and he's nodding yeah. and he's just like, please feet move feet. <laughs> yeah. He stumbles back through the yard. That's a moment where I had to watch it a few times because there was something in the background that caught my eye. There's a, it's like a primary blue. Mm-hmm. It's a croquet set leaned up against uh, the Brewster's maybe like patio furniture. Ah. But because of previous minutes on that side of the other side of the house in that direction is also that daycare. So at first I was a little confused because I saw the primary color and thought, what fucking yard is he in right now? And then I was like, oh, of course, it's the Brewster's backyard. There's even a tree line that separates that old church slash daycare from the Brewster's yard. But it did take a second. Yeah, I remember there's a little there's a little bird bath there as well. Yeah. Uh, The novelization says Billy looks like a cross between Harrison Ford and Anthony Perkins, which uh I could see, kind of. Anthony Perkins more than Harrison. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah. No one looks like Harrison Ford except for maybe. maybe. <laughs> and Alden Ehrenreich. Maybe if Billy did, like, he pointed his finger and he's like, don't don't let it happen again or something. <laughs> Get off my storm doors. <laughs> so, yeah, I love how Charlie tries to do this little little slight walk away and then he just kind of breaks into a slow jog across the lawn. <laughs> yeah. And then we go back to Billy and his smile is completely dropped and he's just staring. That's scary. Yeah. So we're going to be studying Billy throughout this movie <laughs> uh, for what Billy could possibly be. But right now, since we know, I mean, spoilers, there's a vampire in the house and it uh, looks like he is a, uh, a human that can experience sunlight, so he's not a vampire per se. So, right. so the closest thing I can equate to him at this point in the movie is a Renfield. What about you? Yes, a, fr- a familiar. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's very tropey. I love, I love the character in all those vampire stories. Mister Barlow in Salem's uh-huh. Lot has one, right? Mister Striker, uh, you got it. Mister yeah, Striker, you here. have to. You ha- if you're a vampire, you have to have somebody that's going to take care of shit during the day, right? From Bran uh, Stoker's Dracula, Renfield is described as sanguine temperament, great physical strength, morbidly excitable, with periods of gloom. 
And uh, and he does how he is a bit crazy. He's locked in an asylum in Dracula. Eating bugs. Yeah. They, they called it uh, Renfield Syndrome. This, these are psychiatric patients suffering from an obsession with drinking blood. And Whoa. Yeah. It is a real-life syndrome. It follows the pathology of the Renfield character in the Dracula novel in several stages. So initially, the patient exhibits zoophagia, which is a, com- a compulsion to eat insects or to eat live animals or dr- and drink their blood. And he lies for the most. <laughs> Feel free to drop me with all the uh, Renfield impersonations. Uh, this, <laughs> um, and then, as it gets worse, the you know it gets more and more deviant, and then the compulsion to drink uh, animal blood turns into a you know really wanted to drink another person's blood in an act they call true vampirism, including wanting to you know harm another person to get that get that blood. <laughs> Why? That's creepy as shit. And so a, a Renfield could be known as like a handler as well. There's many reasons in different like vampire stories. Um, One day you'll also be termed a slave. They just willfully go into servitude. They also, you know, they could get addicted to the vampire's blood, the vampire's bloodletting to, you know. Also, of course, there's uh, there's mind control. Right. Hypnotism. Yeah. Also, they could just be hired. <laughs> they just take it out as a job. This is just a job, man. That'd be a great story about a familiar or right hand, you know, a hand vampire handler that's like, look, man, it's just, you know, pays well. Now, you're a, a, a Dark Shadows fan, so I ran across the name Willie Loomis as somebody that could be equated to uh, Billy Cole. What, what do yeah. you think? He is a sort of a Renfield-esque character, yeah. Uh, it's been years since I watched mm-hmm. the show. But I feel like they catch him grave digging in the Collins Port like graveyard looking for jewels, mm-hmm. and Barnabas happens upon him and then basically you know makes him his slave. Um, it's either that or die. Yeah. But I don't get the sense from Billy that he is fearful of Jerry Dandridge or working for Jerry Dandridge out of that fear, out of that like scared into servitude. It feels to me he's either the one day I'll be changed yeah. too, or I love Jerry. I'm going to defend him with my yeah. life. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, later in the movie, he does seem to be kind of like, this is, this is my bra. You know, <laughs> we, we hang out together. Yeah. I take care of him. And you know, I, I've, he, and has a deep respect for him, you know, where the Willie Loomis character from dark shadows and Renfield from Dracula have a little bit of that Stockholm syndrome about them. They're like, they're shaken and broken people. You don't get to that sense from Billy. Uh, a couple other Renfield like characters that I uh, came up with was the, the old man from uh, let the right one in. And uh, yes, you know, he's hoping to be turned eventually, but he's also kind of, I think he's, uh, he's kind of represented as like a, like a pedophile as well. Like he's, in, he, he loves right. this young child. That's a vampire. And then, uh, yeah, you, you use the word familiar. A familiar is most often used in the occult, like with like witchcraft, like witchcraft. Yeah, yeah. But familiars actually does come up in uh, one of my favorite uses of this is uh, what we do in the shadows. Yeah, where, uh, we have Deacon who has Jackie, and Jackie is just dying <laughs> to be turned into a vampire, and she's just like vacuuming for him, doing all his dishes, you know. 
And then the other one in the movie, his name's Philip, and he was uh, he's been waiting for Viago to turn him into a vampire. And we have like a, I guess it was like a Skype conversation where he's like an old man. Yes, master, <laughs> I've been waiting for you. <laughs> That's a great movie, guys. If you haven't seen uh, it, go see what we do in the what shadows. We do in the shadows, so. and it's got to come soon, hopefully. So let's uh, let's leave this scene and go to night. And we're looking down at the uh, the Dandridge home, hulking over. Speaking of hulking, uh, over the Brewster home. I love that shot where it seems like they got the smoke machine out there blasting that house. <laughs> That's the first shot of the Dandridge house in the movie so far, thus mm-hmm. far, that it really got the sense of its spookiness. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love—I don't know how they pulled it off, you know, the FX, but you know, I, I rewatched that little little cutscene a couple of times, and just they they get the fog to do this kind of neat swirl in front of the house, as if it's, uh, you know, how sometimes, um, you know, a vampire can transport themselves through through fog, through smoke, through mist. So you can yeah. almost think like, oh, it's Jerry coming home, or <laughs> Jerry sure. going out, you know, who knows. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we cut over to Charlie's bedroom and he has a scary movie playing and he's sitting in his chair eating chips. That scary movie, by the way. Yes. I, I couldn't find out what it I, is. Did uh-huh. you? Oh man. Cause it look it looks before you tell me, it looked to me like a zombie movie, not a vampire movie. I say that because the, the thing is white faced and moaning. And then at the end of the scene, the zombie or whatever it is, is biting the victim and then there's some other hands that are bashing through the door behind yeah it's a it's a it's a movie called children shouldn't play with dead things um it was yeah. released in 1972 and it was directed by bob clark uh, let me just tell you a little bit about bob clark <laughs> sure we're all about the details here children shouldn't play with dead things is bob's second movie after his breakout classic she man a story of fixation which is uh, all about a violent transvestite who blackmails a soldier into taking estrogen and dressing up in lingerie. Um, well, yeah, I missed that one. So then, then, then came Children Play with Dead Things, and then he went on to do other horror films like uh, Dead at Night and uh, Black Christmas. Um, okay. Then he does some more dramas in the seventies, and then he gets into the eighties, and he has a couple hits. the The first two were Porky's and Porky's Two. <laughs> <laughs> this guy oh, sorry Porky's 2 the next day I didn't give the uh, the full description so after that after this director this director of She-Man Children Play With Dead Things uh, Black Christmas Porky's and Porky's 2 uh, the next movie he makes is A Christmas Story wow. so the director of Little Ralphie uh, directed that movie where you see the zombie coming towards the camera <laughs> Um, is going to eat Ralphie. <laughs> I'll just quickly mention he went on to do Rhinestone, uh, which is awful. Uh, Turk 182, which is. I, I, wait, 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 wait. Rewind. As a, I will admit this for the world. As a kid, I rented Rhinestone over and over again. Whoa. I don't know why. I don't know why. Rhinestone Minute coming it, up. It is garbage. <laughs> It's garbage. Doesn't Sylvester Stallone become like a country singer in that or something? Or, or he just yes. falls in love with Dolly yeah. Parton? He made Turk 182, uh, which was a movie I loved as a, as a kid in the 80s. It's probably ran over and over again on HBO. Uh, his last big hits, Bob Clark, he made uh, Baby Geniuses and Baby Geniuses 2 Super Babies. So all that comes from uh, Children Play With Dead Things. Let me just tell you about <laughs> Children Play With Dead Things. It had a uh, 
uh, $50,000 budget. They shot it in 14 days. It's all about uh, a guy named Alan who brings this theater troupe to the island, to an island, which is used to bury the bodies of deranged criminals. And so he digs up the body of a guy named Orville and does a seance to raise the dead to freak out his acting troupe. Nothing happens, so he uses Orville's corpse and like walks around and does like sick jokes with him, like Weekend at Bernie style. And then, okay. and then, of course, the spell works, and like every dead person on the island comes to life. And uh, yeah, that scene that Charlie is not watching <laughs> is is right. Orville uh, coming after people while the rest of the zombies are trying to break into this cabin. I kind of want to see it now because it does. It looks pretty creepy. Yeah, uh, it is. It is pretty creepy. I, I actually found it. Uh, I watched a little bit of it. Uh, it's like on YouTube, I believe, or Vimeo or one of those sites. Now the camera starts to pan down from the TV screen. Charlie's also been looking at nudie mags, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, Playboy or penthouse, who knows what? I saw there. There's a very, there's a very cleverly placed Lay's chip bag over the centerfold's face in one part of that shot. And there's upside down candy wrappers. I, as I assume they don't want to pay for licensing. Yeah. You know? Could you figure out what some of those candy wrappers oh, were? I couldn't. Some of them looked familiar, but I wasn't quite sure. I tried, man. Because they're upside down, it's almost impossible Uh to tell. Did you ever have a – or do you have a favorite candy? Do I have a favorite candy? I mean, peanut and M&Ms are probably some of my favorites. I hate marshmallow peeps. Yeah, I'm not a peep fan, no. Candy corn sucks. I like candy Uh, corn. Although – you Although you, if you eat a bunch of it, it starts. You start thinking to yourself, "I'm just eating uh, pieces of plastic right now." <laughs> Sweet pieces <laughs> of sure. plastic. Uh, I'll never eat white chocolate again because I was given a pretty big white chocolate Easter bunny, uh, and I ate ears in one sitting, both ears in one sitting, and I puked for hours. Oh my god! You know, it's funny. That reminds me. I, I one of the, one of the first scars. Uh, you want to know how I got these scars? No. Uh, one of the uh, first scars that I ever received was uh, from Easter. Uh, I got a like a solid, a giant solid uh, Hershey's chocolate egg, and for some reason, my parents like kept it in the fridge and. And I don't know. It's like a football. The thing was like a football sitting like somebody, you know, like somebody put a human head in the fridge or whatever. <laughs> like the sucker is big. <laughs> and uh, of course, you know, little kid, I, I got up and uh, pulled that sucker out and was just like, I don't even know what to do. I, you know, I'm not going to just sit here and gnaw on this thing. So I was like, well, maybe I can chop off a piece. So I got a, oh, I got a big no. sharp knife and I, I mean, I cut away from myself as uh, I was trained as a Boy Scout to do, but um, away included skating right over my index finger knuckle and cut myself a oh. nice big chunk of skin out. And uh, yeah, I think that Easter egg got thrown away because it got just bloodied. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, a couple more notes I had for this scene here. That Coors Light neon sign. I mean... Yeah. This kid's bedroom. I like Charlie as a character, but I'm I, I and and we might have bonded over scary movies, much like Ed and Charlie do. do. But just looking around his room, it's like cars, ski poles, Coors Light. Like I avoided these people in high school. <laughs> yeah, I would have to say the same. As a person, I think I would be, and probably you too, more of an evil Ed in this mm-hmm. situation. Oh yeah, I was friends with more uptight guys, but I wasn't that guy myself. Yeah. I look forward to exploring Ed's room. I mean, if we ever go there, I haven't seen the rest of the movie, so 
Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we have uh, we have Charlie sitting, looking out his window and playing. It's basically rear window. He is sitting at the window, looking out there with his binoculars. And that's when he, he falls asleep. Um, it's funny you mentioned rear window because I've heard Tom Holland talk about the inspiration for this film. And it was rear window. Oh, nice. It's got to be. I mean, you know, sitting in the chair with a blanket over you, you know, and and watching through a pair of binoculars. I mean, how can you not be? And like later on, of course, Disturbia was also uh, influenced right. by that. There's been some other ones too. Then the score starts, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say we're gonna talk about that tomorrow. Uh, we got some time sure. to fill tomorrow, but that, I think that's it. You got anything else? I don't. I think it's time we put a stake in this one. Please follow us on Twitter at Fright Night Min. Send your feedback to Fright Night Minute at gmail.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Robin. I'm Leonard. Thanks for listening. Fright Night, everybody. He's a vampire. A what? <laughs> You're so cool, bro.